0: Blog Talk Radio, live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio.
1: A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes.
0: This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark
1: Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Well, welcome everybody to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler, your host, and broadcasting live by myself, Mark Kohler today. Matt Sorensen is speaking in Washington, D.C. He got the call to go east. I got the call to go west, but I'm calling from our Hawaii office. Now, I know before some of you think for me, it's, it's a tough job coming to the Hawaii office. It's not something that I wanted to do. You know, our firm, we thought we give back. We give back to our clients and set up a Hawaii office so you, my friends, can get a tax write-off when you visit Hawaii and come visit our accounting team over here. Have a little workshop. Attend one of our business club meetings over here. It's a sacrifice. We, You know, Matt and Liddell and I, we were debating should we set up our office in Duluth, Minnesota or Honolulu and it was a close call and I'm sorry to my clients over in Minnesota but we went with Hawaii. We wanted to just give back. It's a sacrifice but call me a giver, you know, it's just, we did it for you guys. So I'm over here roughing it out in the Honolulu office (laughs) and uh, excited to be here with you today. And I love my Hawaii clients are over here. So kind, so wonderful and beautiful people. And, uh, let me just say, you know, before you get visions of grandeur, I, uh, Uh, I think I left for the office when it was dark yesterday, and I got home about 20 minutes before I could even surf at all. It was miserable. So I'm working full days around the clock with tax season here, helping our Hawaii clients with the tax deadline and some consults. So anyway, it's not all it's cracked up to be, but it's a beautiful sight out the window right now. Um, Anyway, well, thank you so much for listening. For those that are new to the show, this is a show about saving taxes, protecting your wealth, uh gosh better living that american dream and normally i have matt Sorensen, my co-host here with me but again he's in washington dc speaking at the rita conference getting an update on self-directed ira issues with the premier uh real um retirement self-directed retirement association in uh in the country and matt's one of their keynote speakers too so we're going to He's already written an article today that hopefully many of you caught in the newsletter with some updates. He wrote it while he was in D.C. yesterday and posted it to his blog. So please check that out in the newsletter. For those that are self-directing your 401k or IRA, always uh, good to get new, cutting-edge info, and Matt Sorens is getting it for all of us. So really, really exciting. Uh, Now, before we jump into our tax and legal tips, and we've got a lot to talk about today, we've got a a couple spe- uh special guests. Um, I'm really excited about this topic about contractors and subcontractors and how to not just get taken advantage of or make poor decisions and get into some – we just had some clients that got into some nightmare situations with subcontractors recently. And it's not that the subcontractors are bad either. It's just a poor consummation of the relationship. You've, you've got to come together properly. So anyway, we're going to talk about that and more. And uh, before we get there, let's hit some of our tax deadlines. We've got some important tax deadlines coming up, obviously. It's March, and so uh, April 15th is right around the corner. Uh, It's no surprise that your personal returns are due. File an extension if you would like. There's no problem. Filing an extension, you actually reduce your chances of an audit. It gives you time to prepare your paperwork. I'd say probably 60% of our clients extend their tax returns we have a little waiting list right now. So if some of you are wanting to join our firm, uh, you can file an extension, get on our waiting list. We would anticipate being able to take care of you in the summer. My tax return is always the last one done on October 14th. Um, maybe Liddell, my partner's, has done a little bit before after we'll ask him. She's coming on here shortly with a tip for us. mean is okay, folks. Don't stress about it. Get it done right. That's what matters most. Um, now, let me mention two other important tips. Now, these are really, really important tax tips. The first one is your health savings account contribution. If any of you had a high deductible health insurance plan last year, you have until April 15th to make a contribution for 2014 and get the write-off for your 2014 tax return. The money goes into your health savings account. You can turn around and reimburse yourself for expenses you uh, may have incurred even last year. Uh, and uh, future health care expenses, or let the money grow, invest it uh self direct it oh, so much you can do with it, but uh in three weeks, the deadline has passed, and the contribution is thirty three hundred for a single individual or fifty five sorry sixty five fifty that's six thousand five hundred and fifty dollars for a married or a family, so make sure you get your health savings account contribution in uh funnel it through your account and reimburse yourself for some medical for last year. If, uh, if you had a qualifying plan, now you can research this, talk about it with your advisor. I've got, this is a chapter in my book. It's, I can't count how many blog articles and webinars are on this topic. If you really want to get an hour and a half of great content, um, please, uh, subscribe to my webinar series. It's only 20 bucks and you get 12 different webinars and one of them is exclusively on healthcare and you'll get uh, all the information you need to get up to speed on the health savings account or health reimbursement arrangement. So think about those. Next deadline I just want to point out is the Roth or IRA contribution deadline, April 15th, to take a contribution deduction for last, make a contribution to a Roth, take a deduction for an IRA. Of course, there's income limits and all that good stuff, but run the numbers, see if you can make a contribution by April 15th. Now, here's the trick. For those of you that own a small business, you could create a SEP kind of like a glorified IRA. Uh, It's based on your earned income in your uh, S-corp salary or your sole proprietorship. It won't work for an LLC with rentals, but if you have some ordinary income and a small business structure, you can do a SEP, which is pretty darn good. It's kind of a fix that I screwed up and should have done a 401k plan. That's the long term for it. (laughs) But you can at least make a contribution to a SEP up until your extension deadline. So extend, work on making a SEP contribution, take the write-off for 2014, then what we love to see you do is roll that SEP into the 401k you should have had before year-end. Then with the 401k, you can put away more money with less FICA cost. There's so much better than a SEP. But again, if you didn't have a 401k last year, the SEP is a great way to get an IRA contribution in and not worry about those um Pesky, that pesky deadline on April 15th for a regular IRA deadline. Uh, check out the newsletter today, uh, as usual. Uh, for those that are new listeners, please go to any of our business websites or my personal site, uh, Matt Swanson's Self Directed IRA Handbook site. If you're listening today, um, you can you know you know where to get us. I'll, g- I'll give you my site, which leads you to all the different sites uh, from one location, and that's MarkJKohler.com. Mark J. In Jolly, Kohler, dot com. Sign up for the newsletter and get that important info each week. There's a couple of videos in there. I would love to see you uh, check that out. We t- I did a video on real estate professional classification. Nice little info on that. I've had several consults on that this week. In fact, it's kind of ironic. And uh, I guess the last announcement is this coming Saturday, we have our live event in Irvine, California. It's the Real Estate and Tax Summit. It is gonna be phenomenal. I'm giving a two-hour presentation on the 2015 tax tips. Matt Sorensen's doing a two-hour update on uh, creative IRA strategies, and then Kendall Stock is doing two hours on where to invest in real estate this year and how to rehab and fix and flip and take the tax strategies we talked about in the morning and apply them. You can watch it live from your computer, get a recording of it for 99 bucks, or please come attend in person. We're having a lunch panel. Lunch is included. It's at the Irvine Marriott. The links are on the newsletter. Call our office if you'd like to get there. So, boy, a uh, few important notes there, but uh, hopefully we can see you uh, this weekend, uh, even if it's through the computer screen on our live web broadcast. So check out that link. It's R-E-T-Summit.com, R-E-T-Summit, com. ret summit dot tcom Well, without any further ado, we're going to have our regular tipster. Uh, This year, it's been fantastic to have him about every three weeks. He's um, always so busy, but he's gracious to spend some time, especially during tax season with us. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to bring out Liddell Air, partner of Kohler & Air, K&E CPAs, and uh, leading the team back there in the trenches in the throes of tax season, Liddell. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Mark. You woke me up. (laughs) Good <laughs> to be on.
1: <laughs> Woke you up, and it's eight a.m. over here in Hawaii. So it's you know I had to get up at five thirty to get, me get to, to run around here and run some errands and get here. So
2: no, I was just kidding. Uh, we're going episode. strong here this morning.
1: Yeah, and is it snowing out there? I heard it's snowing in Utah today.
2: Not in southern West Utah. Northern. Northern. Mm. Nope, we're okay gotcha. today.
1: Okay. Well, before we get to our tax strategy, let me ask, how's your bracket coming? And I already know, so I'm I'm, I'm giving you a lead in here to just do some bragging. So I'm just going to ask, how's your bracket <laughs> coming, Liddell?
2: Well, you want me to brag and say I'm sitting on the top of the Kohler and Air bracket? Apology.
1: <laughs> Feel free. I, I, I teed it up for you. <laughs>
2: All right. Yep. I am sitting at the top, number one position, most points still possible. Go Arizona!
1: <laughs> now I have to look at my. I think I have a most. I have a, a lot of points possible. I'm just a few paces behind you. You know all of, all my grade eight are in the hunt. Uh, so I haven't lost any of my grade eight or final four either. So watch out, buddy. Yeah,
2: you're you. you're in the hunt. I know, and and you don't. We don't have the same winner in the end. I don't think.
1: Nope. Nope. So as long as Kentucky loses, we'll both be sitting pretty. So, yes, you know, so our both know.
2: rooting for Kentucky to lose.
1: <laughs> That's right. Sorry, my Kentucky fans. And I just spent uh, – I, I, I just shot myself in the foot. Two weeks ago, I had the honor of going down into Kentucky and uh, uh, doing an entrepreneur workshop. And I, it, it was blue country, I'll tell you that. And, and so I had to uh, – keep my bite my tongue when it came to Kentucky Wildcats but now i it's it's all love and you know fair and love and war in the, the your 64 brackets, so i'm sorry Kentucky i need you to go down <laughs> <laughs> so hey what do you got first on the tax tip today
2: well what i want to talk today about is i came across an article and it has to do with a child buying a parent's home and renting it back to them now you now a lot of us Well, my parents are deceased, but some of us are getting up there to where we have older parents, you know, their homes are probably paid off, or even if they're not paid off, they're probably paid down to where they're not getting a lot of interest deduction, maybe they're not able to itemize, really not getting a lot of tax benefit out of it, maybe they're on, you know, Social Security income and just a little bit of retirement income, and they're not paying a lot of tax anyway, so they're not getting a a break for that home for the ownership of the home and one strategy you can use is for the child which would be like us you know somebody in their mid-40s you know you could go buy that home from your parents and rent it back to them and what it does maybe your parents need that cash you know maybe they just you know at a point in their life where they want some cash and they don't want to have to refinance and they don't want to dip into a home equity or maybe they want to invest in something else that's a little more. Um, I guess you'd want to say not as risky possibly as real estate. Maybe they want to get in something a little less risky investment. And so they could take that cash that they get from the sale of the home, and I'm sure they've lived in, you know, they've probably lived there in a lot of years, so there's tax-free benefits from the sale of the home. And on your side, you could rent it back to them, be able to take all the deductions, you'd be able to depreciate it, take, you know, utilities, maintenance, insurance, repairs, those sorts of things. When you lease it back to them, and another possible option is, you know, when you travel to see them, you're traveling to see your rental property. You know, maybe not all the time, but some of the you could you could probably get that benefit a f- couple of times a year.
1: Liddell, I love this. You know, I I I over here uh, in Hawaii this week, I've had an opportunity to give a couple workshops, and I literally had several people come up and go, Mark. Is your team talking about the same stuff you are? I want to make sure you're all on the same page. And I hope some of you that asked me that are listening today because I love what you're talking about. This is stuff that I'd love to, um, to mention, uh, the travel strategy uh, back to your rental properties. Liddell, this is an awesome topic. And let me throw this too. I, I mean, there's really so many benefits. You've already rattled off probably five or six, but it's a great time to harvest the sale of home exemption. Mom and dad can sell you the home tax-free, and if they need um, to get it, uh, some long-term care, this is another way to create a stream of income to cover long-term care, and in two to three years, maybe even get them qualified for Medicaid because that home is off their asset list.
2: Right. That, that could get a, I think it's a five-year wait now, like a 60-month possibly. I'm not that adept in, in oh, yeah. no, Medicare rules, right. but you're, it is a... So it does give them the ability to get that asset out of their name and, you know, gives them access to cash, and maybe they can go make some money, you know, on some nice, safe investments that will more than cover what the rent they have to pay you. Um, you're going to want to do it legitimately. You're going to want to get an appraisal done and some of those kind of things. So, you know, you know, make, and you're going to charge them a fair market value rent. You know, you can do a little reduced fair market value rent. Um, I think the courts have allowed something like 20% up to twenty percent less fair market value rent but you know you're gonna want to charge just like you would any third party and then you know if they move into long-term care you're sitting there with an asset that's been paid down and you can either continue to rent it to another tenant or you can go and sell it and 1031 into another property that's closer to your place that you could watch over, you know, more readily, those kind of things. So there's some benefits to it on both sides. Mom and dad aren't getting a real tax benefit out of it and you could use the tax benefit. And and so it's pretty good strategy.
1: It is. And you know, one other side note, some people say, well, Mark, if mom and dad can't pay rent and it's awkward, grandma, you know, grandpa don't maybe want to be paying rent to their kids. uh, You can gift the rent. But make sure you claim the rent on your uh, tax return. So that can be a really nice benefit to um, have a, a, a non, I guess, a paper transaction where you don't yeah. actually have to collect it as long as you claim the rent.
2: Right. Yeah. And and they yeah. should have the income. You know, you're 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 going to give them money. You're going to buy the house from them, so they could take That's that two hundred thousand or whatever and put it in investments and get it. You know, you say they got a ten percent return. There's twenty thousand dollars a year coming in mm-hmm. from that investment.
1: And don't forget about so. the asset protection uh, benefit. If Mom and Dad are still trying to drive, they've got. A, and you're worried about a potential mm-hmm. lawsuit there and losing the home. Uh, when you purchase the home for Mom and Dad, you can pop it into an LLC, create an extra layer of protection as well. Uh, again, gosh, so many benefits. I'm really glad you bring this up, Liddell. It's a great topic. So, for those people that have elderly parents,
2: yeah, and we all get there at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, uh, Liddell, thank you
1: for your tip today, folks. Again, uh, Liddell Air uh, at K&E CPAs on the top of the bracket at the firm. <laughs> with we're, this is a pretty hefty bracket. We're looking at thirty to forty entries. So, I mean. Not too shabby, Wendell. Got to tell you.
2: Yeah, there's 39 entries, so we're all right.
1: Yeah, and, and, and let me just point out, my daughter Molly, who's 11 years old, is in third place. So take that for what it's worth. So if you feel good about that, Wendell. <laughs> <one>, <laughs> hey,
2: that's all right.
1: <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks, Liddell. Oh, great tip. And uh, folks, if you need to go hold Liddell, of course, their website links are all there right through com. And after April 15th is a good time to make an appointment with Liddell. Give him a few weeks. <laughs> thanks, Liddell. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, we're going to jump over to our next topic here today. We've got, we're have power-packed with information. We've got uh, a couple special guests joining us. For, right, but right now we've got Lee Chen, an attorney in our Irvine office, Gosh, a consummate business planner, litigator. This is where all of us get to dream of going to court. We kind of live vicariously through Lee Chen. And so we've invited him on the show today to talk about contractor, subcontractor relationships when we are rehabbing or fixing up our rentals and all the problems we can run into. So this is a really, really important topic. And we've got a guy that's working on both ends of the spectrum, one in the planning stage and he's also even got some cases in court right now fighting out some subcontractor disputes. And so it's really nice to have someone with this skill set join us. So, uh, Lee, uh, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Mark. It's uh, great to be on and a good early morning to you.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, I, how's
0: your bracket coming? Did you fill out a bracket
1: this year? Am I taking your five or ten bucks or not?
0: No, I was I was busy um, trying to justify my team UCLA even being in the tournament, so I I didn't have time to really look into it. So.
1: and now they're in the Sweet Sixteen. You blew it. So you're gonna have to start. yeah <laughs>
0: yeah of course it always happens <laughs> the opposite of what you intend. So, yeah. Well, let's jump right into it. So
1: on the contractor issue, um, we've got an article coming out next week in the newsletter with several tips. On hiring a subcontractor, we're going to take some of our conversation today and even bolster that blog article even further. So, if you're listening on the podcast, there's a good chance if you're a week late uh, listening to this podcast, the article will already be up on my blog. It'll be co written by uh, Lee and myself. So, there'll be some written material to follow this up. But um, I don't know if there's any particular order to tackle this issue. But let's just, let me just, before I, Lee, I have you start rattling off some of your tips here. Uh, let's set the stage. Uh, again, this could be your average investor. Like many of you listening to the show today, you may have a day job. You may be a full-time investor. You may be retired. You may just be dabbling in a little bit of real estate on the side. It could be rental property or it could be a rehab and you're fixing, it up, fixing up that home down the street to flip. It could even be your own home and you're having a subcontractor come in to work on your house. In every one of those situations, you're going to be doing business with someone where there's a lot of moving parts, that subcontractor relationship, and there's a lot of great contractors out there, and like any industry, there's some bad apples too. And if you're, not, if you're not careful, you can end up losing far, far more than you expected spending on the investment itself, and even completely destroy the project. With I know, Lee, you're in some lawsuits that we can't even share here on the show that are ongoing right now that are on this very, very topic. So a uh, very, very time-sensitive issue for all of us. Lee, throw out your top tip. I mean, again, we're, we're going to go probably rattle through five or six of these, if not more, but um, what's number one on your list when it comes to getting a subcontractor in the uh, in on your project?
0: Well, I think I mean in uh, to, to be very general, I think you have to, you know, number 1 do your due diligence of, of course, you know, as with everything, but really you want to have a conversation with the contractor and get some information from them. You know, like you said, There are plenty of honest, ethical, professional contractors out there that do dot their I's and cross their T's. And, you know, I know, I mean, you know, I, I hire contractors all the time. And, you know, for some people, it may be uncomfortable for them to be, you know, grilling their contractor for this and that, the other, But you got to understand that, you know, these contractors, they do this every day. They talk to homeowners every day. And a lot of them, if they are ethical, if they are professional, they'll welcome, they want you to ask them, they want to show you, hey, I have, you know, all of these credentials and I've met all of these requirements and everything. So the first thing is I would don't, you know, don't be afraid to ask your contractor questions because that's really how you're going to get a sense to see, you know, are they professional? Can they do their job? Are they explaining what they're going to do to, uh, you know you know, for my property in a way that makes sense to me, um, that really gives you a sense of, you know, um, uh, you know, who you're dealing with and their professionalism.
1: I like it. And we're going to move quickly through these tips. I mean, folks, as you know, we could be 10 to 20 minutes on each one of these topics and take calls. And yeah, this is a lot. So I'm going to be taking notes on the checklist here and then adding these to our blog article where where they may may need. Where it needs to be, uh, but let me just add to this. When I was in Riverside at a workshop just ten days ago, it was interesting. I had one of the students say, "Mark, of course, as a woman, when I'm out there talking to subcontractors, they're ready to go. They want to get started. We can take this. Write me a check." And then, soon as she said, "Soon as I start drilling that subcontractor on, okay, let's talk about the contract. Let's talk about progress payments. What was one of your most recent projects that I could go look at?" Where have you been doing your work? You know, just drilling the contractor. She goes, it's really interesting to say that all of a sudden the guy's tone changes. Oh, well, yeah. Well, we're going to be out two to three weeks. Uh, We may not be a good fit for you if you're in a hurry. Of course, he was totally in a hurry a minute ago to take your check. But now that you're asking for documentation and doing your due diligence, you can really quickly get a sense of which of these contractors, they're going to feel uncomfortable because they don't want to go through that process. That's a contractor you don't want to work with
0: exactly mark and that's that's exactly why you need to have that conversation before you start writing checks and before you let them in your house, et cetera yep, okay, number two on your list, so you know there's a lot, especially with contractors there's a lot of homework that you can do before you even make that first call um you know if you don't have someone that you're working with, you know i my goal is usually to get you know probably three or four people that i'm going to call okay and these three or four people have to meet certain requirements okay so the first thing i'm going to go is check out their licensing okay most states have the licensing status of their contractors on the web okay so check your state licensing board check their license see if they are bonded see if they you know if they say they have employees do they have workers comp insurance um uh, one thing that uh, no. i also check
1: go ahead. Oh, let me just add to this. Okay. Now I think you highlighted this in a previous article of yours that, and I apologize for keeping this basic, but number two is get multiple bids. I think that's something you had said before. So, and this relates right to it. So you're going to want to get multiple bids as you're discussing it with these contractors. And then i like what you said is start writing down that information on each one of these bids. Um, because I think it's hard to just start going through the phone book and looking up info on people. Maybe just call out your people, and when they show up, how many times? I mean, seriously, listeners, how many times have you called a contractor? Yeah, I'll come over and bid it, and they never show up. So I, I, I think I don't know if I'm going to do any homework before I get at least a bid and have a conversation with someone. But uh, but I think, Lee, you said this before, get multiple bids. Is that a fair statement?
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's really uh, on a price issue, but also – um uh, you know have them justify you know how, you know if if their bid is uh you know a little bit high on on you know compared to the other two bids well have them explain it or if it's a little bit too low you know there's some questions that need to be answered there so um that's a way that you can compare not just their price but their opinions in terms of what yep. they propose to do what type of materials are they going to use um You know, uh, use the opinions that you get from one contractor so that you can talk intelligently with another contractor that'll get you get you more informed so you can make that informed decision.
1: I like it, and then that leads right into number three. If we broke your your initial comment into two parts is that once you start getting those bids and you 're having those conversations it 's time to go look these people up on the web and ask them for their license, their bonding, their insurance. Um, workers' comp. Um, is, Lee, I, I, you know, I want to ask this: Is that easy information to get on the web, or is it some of those items? Do you need to ask the contractor to show certification or present some sort of documentation?
0: Well, it depends on the state. I mean, you know, uh, some states uh, are, are harder to find that information. I think uh, Georgia is one that's a little bit more difficult to find. Um, California. Uh, you know, one thing that, about California with contractors there is so much information on the the contractor's board website in terms of the contractors in terms of information i mean i would say even if you don't live in california if you're going to hire contractors regularly you should go check the california website cuz there's a lot of great tips there's forms um uh, you know they they got pamphlets it's really a, a, a great resource even if you don't live in california um and that's the california contractor board site Yes, it's CSLB.ca.gov. Um, so let's repeat that slowly for
1: everybody. Repeat that slowly for everybody
0: again. It's CSLB.ca.gov uh, for con- contractor state licensing board. And if you go on that website, um, and a lot of these states have this, they'll have you know the licensing um, of the uh, of the contractor and what subcategory license are they you know if they you know if they are they a general contractor are they a licensed plumber are they a licensed uh, flooring person um heating you know they have the sub um, license as well so uh you know you can check you know how many different um, specialties are they licensed in um they have a uh, bonding information and if they don't have it on the website Call the state licensing board and ask them about the the the, the bonding, and that's really important. Um, you know, I've had to do it before. Um, if your contractor screws up and they're nowhere to be found, you go after the bond. Yep.
1: Now, here and quickly here, as so we uh, move through this this show, and, and I want to spend our last twenty minutes or so with a, another special guest on. Uh, gosh, just this whole business concept and the stress that all this can provide for us. Uh, we're going to be reducing our stress at the end of this call, folks, uh, so be patient. But um, I, I, after licensing and bonding, I want to move to number four here, um, at least on the list that I'm creating based on our conversation, is is really this workers' comp issue. I really think it's almost a separate issue altogether because if you go out and hire that sub and they're bringing – people onto your home, uh, business site, rental property, rehab, that are um, uh, workers paid under the table, they could be undocumented workers, uh, and they get hurt on your property, you got a problem. Explain how this could happen, Lee. I mean, this is really a bad situation of contractors. Are paying people under the table on your property
0: oh boy it sounds like you've seen this before and i have also um you know homeowners mm-hmm. call me up and they said they hired a, a contractor and there was maybe some issue maybe there was a tree that was there they were trying to cut or something and um uh, you know maybe there was it wasn't proper supervision and uh I, I, we had one case i think where the um uh, one of the workers um you know cut his hand off um with a yeah. saw and it was because um because there wasn't being you know proper supervision you know and so but, um, but this, you know but this was a guy that was paid under the table too right right and so you know there's all these moving parts here but this person without a, without a hand he's going to be looking for some way to get compensated, okay, and if his employer doesn't have the um, uh, you know the resources to do that, well, then he's going to be looking at you, the homeowner, and saying, "Look, you hired this guy, uh, you created this situation on the property where it was a danger, and you know even if he's totally wrong, he's put you in a bad spot, and you know I, we, we have people who just pay out settlements just because they wanted to go away." So yeah, um,
2: just, that's,
0: where the, that's where the workers' comp really comes in because the workers' comp, that would be your first target um, to go after. And uh, yeah. uh, so, you know, that takes a lot of the pressure off you, off of any insurance that you may have, you know, your homeowner's insurance or anything like that. And that's really why you want to make sure that your contractor, you know, not just workers' comp, but do they have general liability insurance? So those types of issues. Yep. And, and folks, it really comes down to this asking your subcontractor for
1: workers' comp waiver. And these are documents that are come by different terms sometimes. They're going to look differently from state to state. Some of this may be on a website. Maybe it won't be. But the bottom line is you want to tell your contractor, I don't want undocumented workers paid under the table crap going on on my property. And they go, well, that may change your bid. Then fine, change the bid. But I'm only getting bids from people that are legit. So you better be legit or you're not going to be working on my property. And I know some of you out there doing rehabs, you're trying to cut corners and you're trying to save money, and you may be even paying people under the table and trying to slap out 1099s to folks. Be careful. We see it time and time again, and we've got cases right now in our office where people end up getting screwed over because there's an accident or a problem, which brings us to number five, and we're going to leave it at number five today due to time constraints. We'll put some more in our our blog article on this. The Lee boy, Gosh, where do you start on the subcontractor agreement? The contract. Oh, give us a little. Well, a lot. Uh, 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 yeah. where
0: well, you, we what we just talked about. There? The insurance, the workers' comp. I mean, preferably, I'd like to see that in the contract. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the contract, I mean, there's a couple, couple main things. Number one, be as specific as possible as to what's going good. to be done, Very the good. materials that are going to be used, um, how yeah. you're going to be billed. OK, um, you know, instead of saying, well, he's going to do the flooring, uh, you know, in the family room, he's going to install, you know, ceramic tile, you know, made manufactured by this person, you know, includes the grass, you know, all be as specific as possible so that, you know, if there is a dispute as to what was going to be done, you have it in writing as to what specifically was going to be done. And and it just helps with the expectations.
1: The second oh my gosh. Is, I just, I'm oh can I just reiterate? I just want to say again sure. how how important that is. And this is where this one one of my students just the other day in Riverside was saying, as soon as you start telling your contractor, okay, I want to understand the quality of the paint you're using, the quality of the tile, I want to know how much it's going to cost, and how many out you know, and you start getting very, very specific, then these the contractor that's squirrely and that could have been trying to screw you over, this is where you're gonna see their real color shine through. So, but the contract needs to be very, very clear in this. Now, you don't want to make it unbearable for a contractor to work with you, but you've got to, but you've got to be specific um, so that they're protected and you're protected because they don't want to get screwed over by you, the homeowner, either. Anyway, you're going
0: to say next, Lee. Well, we got to talk about money, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, Very important. Yeah, like in California. In California, um, the down payment cannot be more than ten percent of the total contract price. Okay, and a lot of people don't know that, and they, you know, they pay half up front, or they pay the, no, God forbid, they pay the whole thing up front, and then (laughs) that's when they start having problems when they've already paid. Um, So you really, you you don't want to let the payments get far ahead of the work okay and so you want to be in a progress payment issue where you know uh, one state stage one is done and then you look at it and you review it and if it looks okay if there's no dispute then you pay them and probably you want to get them to sign off on something saying okay well I also release any liens you know for this scope of the work you know in exchange for this payment because when you when you write that check that's when you have the greatest leverage so if there's any disputes if you want to make sure you're not gonna get you know they're not gonna come back and uh, you know lean your property or something like that or, or whatever, that's when you want to be negotiating as to any issues you have with the actual work. Yep, and, and I'll just make two last comments and we're gonna to need to let you go here Lee, but
1: I on that I I've had we've had many a homeowner or a rehabber or investor that then wants to hold that check over the contractor's head and not pay them timely just to get them to work harder or be a jerk. And folks, that's a real quick way to get a lien placed on your property. Because if that contractor has is getting screwed over on payment, they have certain deadlines, and they're going to record a mechanics lien. And once they record a mechanics lien, those aren't easy to get off. And then that puts the contractor back in the driver's seat. And it can get really pissy. So don't think that you're going to be a jerk either in this contract. Be honest, be fair, and make payments when it's due. And, and just try to make it a win-win relationship with the detail. And, uh, the, and, I, and I just want to say one more thing too, and then Ali, I'll give you the final word, is verbal change orders. If there's one area of dispute I see mo- so often, it's because the homeowner walks in one day and says, oh, that's not the carpet I want. I want you to go with that carpet. And they go, okay, cool. It's going to cost X more dollars. And there's a verbal agreement. And then, of course, five days later, there's a verbal misunderstanding. And someone's mad. They're not getting paid enough or they're paying too much. And because it wasn't a written change order that was handled pursuant to the contract, whenever there's a change in the contract, get it in writing and follow that procedure to the T. Lee, final word.
0: No, absolutely, and actually your contract should say that anything that changes in this contract needs to be in a written sign change order. That way, the contractor has to come to you, has to tell you the price, has to tell you what he's going to do, and you have to sign off on it before anything gets changed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, excellent comments, Lee. Uh, folks, if you're if you're in a dispute and you need a nasty letter or just some advice on where what to do next and you're not sure where to turn, please give Lee Chan a call. Uh, he's at KKOS Lawyers in the California office, office <laughs> obviously, uh, as he's referenced several times. And you can get to him at Lee, L E E, at KKOS com. So, Lee, thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Anytime, Mark.
1: All right. Well, folks,
0: we are now uh, have the
1: pleasure of speaking with our our next guest today, and our, our I guess the highlight of our show. Sorry, Lee. No offense. You were you were great. Um, <laughs> but we've got Michelle Prince joining us, um, author of the book Winning in Life Now, wife of 15 years, mother of two, and a speaker around the country on ways to have a happier, more abundant life by overcoming procrastination and overcoming stress. And folks, if anything on our radio show talks about building wealth and deadlines and uh, making sure that you've got your tax strategies in place and buying a parent's home that's passing away, life is full of stress. And if you're trying to better live that American dream, unless you're putting your head in the sand, you're going to have to deal with a little bit of stress. So we've got an expert on here today to talk to us about managing stress, and we're so grateful to have her. Michelle, welcome to the show.
3: Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
1: Well, are, are you ready to remodel your kitchen now after you had to listen to all that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I am, actually. I was already wanting to do that. So <laughs>
1: There you go. Well, now you've got a blueprint of what to do and not to do.
3: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, that well, was great. Michelle, Miche- 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 thanks so much for being with us. And I, I guess I-, I wanted to ask you right off the bat, what, what made you focus on this whole topic of Helping people overcome these challenges and overcoming stress, and uh, what what brought you as a as a person to uh, become a kind of an advocate or an expert guru on this topic?
3: Well, you know my story's pretty long, so I'll make it real short. Basically, I was exposed to personal development at a very very early age. Um, I was blessed to work with Zig Ziglar right out of college, and that really set the stage for for me for my life for pretty much just my whole mindset on everything. But throughout the course of my life, um, after leaving Ziegler and, and going into a different direction, I found myself really unhappy and wasn't unhappy because I wasn't successful. I, I, you know, had a great job. I was very successful from the outside looking in, but from the inside out, I just didn't have that passion and I didn't really feel like I was doing what I was created to do. So it really put me in a place where it made me start asking some questions and, you know, really getting to the heart of, well, what is it I really want to do? What's important to me? And what's holding me back? And one of the things that I always wanted to do was uh, write a book, not, not to build a business, but just purely to share some things that I knew through the years, things that I learned from Zig Ziglar, and, and just things that I thought could inspire people, but I didn't do it for years but once i did and once i you know wrote my book i launched my book it actually created an entire business that i do full time today of speaking and and seminars and and all the different things i do it's only because i i overcame what was holding me back i overcame procrastination i overcame the negative negative limiting beliefs and i literally just flipped the switch and started taking massive action so that long story to say is why I'm so passionate because, you know, if I can do it, I, I believe anyone can do it. And I just think that life is too short to be miserable. No matter what you're doing and whether you own your own business or something else, you've got to get to the heart of what do you really want to do? What's your passion? And and I'm passionate about helping people figure that out.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, good, good. Well, maybe uh, share with us, if you could, a couple practical tips. Um. What can I do, Michelle, tomorrow to reduce my stress a little bit um, uh, in, in my life with my business and family responsibilities? What, what's something you would regularly tell someone to help you with?
3: Well, it's all about clarity, right? And our minds are like a computer, so we don't want to clutter it. We need to keep it real simple. But most of us have a task list that's about 20 things long every single day. So the first thing I would do is simplify. Out of that whole list, pick only three things you're going to commit to doing that day. Only three. Even if you have ten, you have to get done. Only commit to doing three. It does a couple things. One is it sets your mind again. It's simplicity. We can manage that. The other thing is is we all love the sense of accomplishment, right? You know, when you you complete something on your task list and you scratch it off, that sense of accomplishment is what gives us momentum. So what I always tell people is, is simplify and only think of the three things you're going to do that day. And make a challenge or challenge yourself to complete at least one of those things before you would normally start your day or long before you would open up email, social media, or something like that. And the reason is, is, again, momentum. If we can do one thing that we, you know, if we can accomplish one of our, our tasks before we finish our morning coffee, that's going to give you so much more momentum throughout the day. And it's also going to allow you to get more done. Because the reality is, is you set out to do many things in a day, but how much do you really accomplish?
1: I like it. That, um, I've, seen, I've heard this um, many times before, that, that kind of that Post-it planning the night before, pulling out a Post-it, mm-hmm. um, making a list. Because it seems like the night before, we always know what we need to do the next day. We're ready to go to bed. <laughs> we have that quiet mm-hmm. clarity of, oh, man, there's the, mo- the most important thing I need to do tomorrow is X. And if I could just do Mm -hmm. that, oh, my gosh, things would be so much better. Then, of course, we wake up in the morning, and life hits us like a ton of bricks. It's the email, the phone call, the family issues, the crisis at work, the client that's got a problem. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to, you know, snarf down some lunch, and it's 2 o'clock, and I haven't even thought about doing what was really the most important thing to do for the day.
3: Have have you ever had that
1: experience? (laughs)
3: Oh, are you kidding? I teach what I know best, and that's why (laughs) I experience this myself. Um, yeah, so it is It is about that planning. And, and the other thing I always suggest is, and this is where most people, um, I lose a lot of people, but whatever time you're getting up in the morning, for the next week, just to do it as a challenge. Get up one hour earlier. And in that hour, do something that you normally don't get done in a day, something that you always intend to, whether that's working out, whether that's reading a book, whether that's, you know, just having some quiet time, whatever it is. Give yourself the first hour of the day, and you're going to have so much more to give to everyone else. Most entrepreneurs and and most business owners, like myself, usually when that alarm goes off, they are running from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed. And most of the time, the things that we put on the back burner are the things that are really the most important to us, you know, our family, scheduling date night or, you know, losing the weight or whatever that is. It's writing a book, spend the first hour of your day doing it and and it really does make an enormous impact when you put your 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 own goals first because everything else will find its way in, um, in the,
1: you're both uh, winning now and 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 the effort we have to try to succeed um and the challenges we have between juggling family and work. How have you best advised your clients and students over the years to, to find that balance between family and work?
3: Oh, it's it's so difficult. And it really goes back to priorities. Um, when I have coaching clients, one of the first things I do is I ask to see their calendar. Because no matter what somebody says is their number one priority, your calendar will really tell me. You know, if you say your family is the number one priority, but you're never home, well, then that's really not it. So the first thing is taking a look at, well, where are you spending your time? And if it's not lining up with what you really, truly want in your life or your personal life, your professional, your career, your finances, your relationships, then there's a disconnect. So I'm a big believer in scheduling, scheduling everything and time blocking, which is not allowing anything else into that time block to whatever it is you're working on. Um, Schedule those date nights. You know, I hear so many people that – you know, oh well, we just, you know, we haven't had a chance to do that or I don't get to spend as much time with my kids as I used to. Well, did you make it to that networking event yesterday? Did you make it to another thing you didn't want to do? The the, the truth is is if something is in our calendar, we're more likely to do it than if it's not. So schedule your workouts. Schedule your know, time out with girlfriends or or you know guy friends or whoever that is because if it's not in the calendar the, the, you'll probably never get it accomplished. It'll be that back burner I'll get to it someday kind of thing. And we all know how that usually turns out.
1: That's a great tip. I like that. If if you want the balance, you got to schedule it cuz really if you if you're not scheduling that time then we're we're almost in this crisis mode or this crisis management where we're not controlling our schedule. The crises are controlling our schedule and mm-hmm. that's never a good place to be.
3: Oh gosh, no. And, uh, and usually those, the crises are somebody else's, right? They're not our own. <laughs> somebody else's lack of uh, <laughs> preparation becomes urgent, but eh, it's not really our urgent.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about procrastination a little bit. That's another um that you've really tried to um help others with. Um how do you how do you handle procrastination and overcoming that that boy that, uh procrastinating, getting done with procrastination? <laughs> I don't want to procrastinate anymore. Wait, wait I was gonna come up with a funny pun and I blew up Michelle. Okay, so tell us what to do. <laughs>
3: well it's it, with anything else in life, the first thing is figuring out why are you really procrastinating? I mean, why are you really really procrastinating um I, most of the time what it's are some down, well, I was just about to say, most of the time it's going to boil down to fear, whether it be fear of success, mm-hmm. fear of failure. but there is this deep seated fear that typically goes along with procrastination. Why would we
1: fear su- yeah, and let me ask why would we fear success like I've heard that so many times.
3: Well, you know, in fact, I have a, a client of mine that we were having this conversation, and she was very, very honest that that was one of her biggest fears was, you know, what happens if I, this business just explodes? What if I'm traveling? What's, how is that going to change my relationship with my husband? What are my friends going to think of me? What, how does that change, you know? we sure like to be comfortable yeah right and we we put ourselves in this little box of who we think we should be and it's it's kind of scary to step out of it um i know for myself i had to and that was extremely scary because yeah the the, the negative thoughts of like oh my gosh what are they going to think who do i think i am you know but the truth is you know the fear is it's not real really it's um if you're really procrastinating on something that's truly tied to your purpose, to your to what you're really supposed to be doing, you're not going to procrastinate on it for long because over time you're just going to have this void. And that, that's what happened to me. Even while I worked in corporate America, I wasn't doing what I knew I was supposed to be doing. And over time that just starts to wear on you. So figuring out why are you procrastinating, but more importantly, what is it that you really want to accomplish? Most people don't sit down and write those things down. I mean, yeah, a lot of people do New Year's resolutions, but do you really sit down and think about the goals you want for your family, you know, for your finances, for your your spouse, all those things. And you know, when you start it goes back to what I said on the scheduling, they all tie together. Being productive is overcoming that procrastination, but most of the procrastination is mindset.
2: It's not a lack of implementation.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about that fear for a little bit and that procrastination. So you're saying procrastination could almost be a form of self sabotage. I'm I'm Absolutely. nervous, I'm afraid to succeed, and so I'm just gonna not do anything. And
3: Absolutely. Because think it. think about it. Think of anything you want to do. I use the writing a book example a lot because you know that's what I do and I also help people write books. But let's just use it as that. If if you really want to write a book and you're procrastinating on it, It's not a lack of information, right? You can find someone, a mentor, you can get on Google, you can find everything you need to know about writing a book. So it's not a lack of information, right? It's just a lack of implementation. And that implementation is usually tied to our emotions. And and that's why it starts with, well, why are you really procrastinating? Because it's probably not because you can't figure out what to do. You can find a way to figure that part out. And I hope that makes sense. Michelle, but are you still there? I am.
1: Okay. Now, I'm going to actually bring Lisa on the line here because we just had a technical snafu possibly. So uh, let me bring our studio. Uh, I, oh, did we lose Lisa? No, there she is. One second. So this is my Robin. Uh, Howard Stern has an assistant Robin. I have Lisa. Lisa, hey, did, <laughs> we have, did we go silent for everybody or was it just me that dropped off?
3: I think it might have just been you for a second because I was fine.
1: So I just, I self-sabotaged my opportunity here, Michelle Prince. That was, you know, I'm I'm trying to succeed here, and I just totally blew it. So, okay, well, we're going to (laughs) assume, we're going to assume, thank you, Lisa.
3: Uh, You're welcome.
1: Okay, so apparently uh, everyone in the the, uh, stratosphere and blogosphere heard your response to (laughs) self-sabotage except me. So there's some irony there. But I will not make you repeat it for everybody else. Um, okay. But, um, <laughs> no, I love it. So <laughs> why don't you finish your at least where you were before I cut you off? I apologize, Michelle.
3: No, I, I think I was done in that.
1: Okay. Um, I really, yeah,
3: no, we're all good there.
1: Okay, all right. So procrastination, oh, my gosh. And, and um, I loved how you again said getting up in the morning, uh, it's making that list. We also talked about scheduling. And then uh this procrastination issue. So, um, um, if I could, you know, um, back to the stress topic for a minute, as we as we kind of again try to balance everything in our life and that American dream. Um, how do you think expectations and what we where we see ourselves and I know you've written about this too, like we we can really create more stress than we need when we're we've created these expectations where we think we should be and we're not there. And so we're 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 just like a little rat on a treadmill, trying to get someplace that maybe we really don't need to be or should be, or we've set up these false expectations. Please tell us about that mindset of what maybe how we can reprogram ourselves a little bit um, to help reduce stress as well. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, yeah, a couple things you said. You know, comparing ourselves to other people is not ever going to be positive, right? And a lot of times. When we set expectations on ourselves, it's compared to what somebody else is doing. So, you know, that that in and of itself is a whole conversation because, you know, who's to say really what you should be doing? And then, you know, it's really based on what your goals are and what you want to accomplish and what's right for one person is definitely not going to be right for you. But the other thing I'll say about stress, and, and you know, I again, I, I am not immune to stress. I'm not immune to any of the things I talk about because it's literally all of us, we're so stressed, now especially, because there's so much technology. There's so many people coming at you from every direction, wanting you in some way, shape, or form, that that's stressful. So what I usually, or what I do for myself, for sure, and what I try to teach other people to do is set boundaries, you know. One of the biggest stresses I think most of us face is our email inbox. Maybe it's your social media inbox, whatever it is, where there's just so much coming at you is setting the boundaries that when you're available, you know, if you are literally responding to emails at 4 a.m. or 2 a.m. because they're there, well, then that's setting an expectation for others, that they can literally get in contact with you at any given time at any, any hour. So, Finding out for yourself, what is, what is it that you really want to do? When do you want to be productive? When do you want to be with family? And keeping those boundaries very clear. And I'll give you an example. So I have two boys. And when I started my business, they were both um, in elementary school, one of them in kindergarten. And now they're in uh, high school and middle school. But I have a very clear boundary with my clients. I am not available evenings and weekends unless I'm speaking. I am crystal clear that if, you know, if I'm your coach and you need me to be available at 8 p.m., then I'm not your coach. I'm not the right person for you because I'm not going to allow anything to come in in the way of my my kids' baseball game or soccer game or something like that. And now some people listening to this might think, well, that's crazy, you know, but that's my boundary. That's important to me. And if I had to give that up, I would be a stress case. (laughs) So thinking about what is. so, what is it makes you so stressful, and are you allowing it? Because you can say no. And I mean, that's what I've
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Michelle, you make a great point because if some of you out there are like, I want to reach a certain level of success in my business or whatever, and I have to sacrifice nights and weekends, that's fine. Make that choice. But have that reality check of what the cost and benefits are of doing that, uh, making that sort of commitment. And create the boundaries that work for you. And everybody's different. Um, as, and
3: and so there's a I, time and a place for everything, right? You know, in the beginning of the business, absolutely. But as long as the family's on board, and, and only if family is important, right? So it goes back to what is that? What are, what are your priorities? And then define, de- develop your calendar around the priorities. Yeah.
1: Well, I love it. Well, here in our last minute or so, um, Michelle, please tell our, our listeners how to get more of you? How can they uh, learn more of your tips, your strategies, and what you have to offer? Um, how can people best reach you?
3: Probably through the website. It's michelleprince.com, and that's Michelle with two L's, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E, and um, or social media. You can find me on social media, too, and I'd love to say whatever I can to support your listener.
1: Well, thanks so much. Well, we sure wish you the best with those two young boys and your priorities. That uh, uh, your uh, stress levels low. There's our wish for you. So,
3: <laughs> well, thank you.
1: <laughs> well, Michelle, thanks for joining us. We wish you the best, and folks, get out and get a copy of her, your, her book. You can also get it on Amazon, Winning in Life Now, and get to www.michelleprince.com. Michelle, thanks for being with us.
3: Absolutely, thank you.
1: All right. Well, and um, everyone, we want to uh, encourage you again, please look at your calendar for this coming Saturday for our 2015 Spring Real Estate and Tax Summit. At least catch it live and you'll get a recording so you can watch it at your convenience afterwards. And we're going to be having uh, vendors there with rental property around the country, even no money down rentals that you can cash flow out of your IRA or 401k or just pull a little LLC together with some family money and let's make it happen. So lots of good stuff going on this weekend. And and may I say, too, I wish the best for all of you with your bracket. If you're uh, enjoying March Madness, enjoy the games this weekend. And good luck. Uh, may my partner, Liddell, lose. May I win. That's just my my prayer today. So, (laughs) everybody, keep living the dream. Don't give up. And we'll see you next Tuesday here at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another round of the Mark Fuller and Matt Sorensen show, as it is now until we get that new show title out there.
2: Thanks, everyone.